Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and today our guest is a very impressive individual who has served our country, overcome adversity, and risen above severe challenges to be a tremendous success in life today. Welcome, Justin Constantine. Steve, well, hello, and thank you uh, very much for that warm, warm welcome. Well, we're so pleased to have you here, and, and before we get started today, I'd like to share uh, a little about Justin's background, and then looking forward to our interview. Uh, Justin is a former Marine and attorney, and is now an inspirational speaker and leadership consultant. And as a Marine officer, Justin volunteered for deployment to Iraq in 2006, where coincidentally one of our sons was also serving. And so I've already thanked uh, Justin for his service, but I'll do it again right now. Thanks so much, <laughs> Justin. I appreciate that. Uh, he served as a civil affairs team leader while attached to an infantry battalion. So while on a routine combat patrol, Justin was shot in the head uh, by a sniper. And although the original prognosis was that he had been killed in action, Justin survived. And through teamwork and a positive mental attitude, he has had quite a successful recovery. Justin now speaks to audiences large and small about personal leadership, the critical role of teamwork and facing life's challenges and the upside of change. And he applies his incredible story of overcoming adversity to every level of an organization and all audiences to move beyond the challenges that they're facing in their own lives. And what uh, Justin does literally so much supports this spirit of becoming your best and the 12 principles of highly successful leaders that I was very excited to have him on this show today. And so, Justin, as we get going today, tell us about your background so that people can get to know you better. What, what's your story? And love to hear about that. Yeah, sure, Steve. Thank you very much. And you actually, you know, you did a great job of, of my military background. I joined the Marine Corps when I was in law school, actually. So when I, after I graduated law school, I served on active duty as a lawyer doing criminal defense and then criminal prosecution. And I left active duty in 2004 and I joined the reserves and I started working with the federal government as a lawyer with Homeland Security. In 2000, I started drilling with the reserves in 05 and then transferred to the Civil Affairs Unit in D.C., Washington, D.C., in 2006 for the deployment. 
uh, had not deployed on active duty, and I wanted to do that. And so, as you said, I did not deploy as a lawyer, but as a civil affairs officer with an infantry battalion. So our job was to make contact with the local Iraqi leadership to help rebuild destroyed infrastructure over there. Um, so although 2006 was a very kinetic time, so a lot of activity, a lot of action going on. So as, as you mentioned, I was injured. Um, but I did, I did like the mission that we had over that, that my team had over there. I had, I had some great Marines on my team, but to help try to bring some order to what was going on there. And so I was injured 10 years ago. I've had a, an incredibly fortunate recovery. A young Navy corpsman saved my life that day, no doubt. When he rolled me over, I wasn't breathing, but he and the colonel and the other Marines were just incredibly brave and courageous in getting me to the aid station. Uh, and actually, in October, just this past October, I met two of the doctors who operated on me 10 years ago. So that was pretty incredible experience for me. But I, I just had an outpouring of support across the country, whether it was from job offers or support from nonprofits, educational opportunities. Um, and so America is certainly a very grateful nation to our warfighters today. And, and I've, I've, you know, my wife and I make a habit of writing out our New Year's resolutions, our short and long-term goals, and sticking to them. And we can talk about that more later, but that's been a big part of my recovery, too, was identifying where I want to go in life and why and the steps I have to take to get there. And that sometimes those change, but I think if we don't, um, I wouldn't have had such a fortunate recovery if I didn't have a mechanism for reminding myself of where I wanted to go and why. Okay, yeah, these are big times, and wow, holy smokes. I mean, that's one of the things we all share, which is when we get knocked down, when we really have a severe challenge in life, and which uh, it's so hard to even imagine what you went through, uh, yeah. but you've started touching on some of the things that allowed you to get back on your feet, and uh, we've talked a little about that uh, in terms of principles that set highly successful leaders, high achievers apart from everyone else because people get knocked down, but how do we really get back on our feet? So let's talk about adversity and the role that it plays in leadership. And when you have a huge setback like this, Justin, or, or even get discouraged or start doubting yourself, how do you get back into the game? How do you motivate yourself? How do you put yourself on a positive course to reach your dreams and become your best? Well, yeah, uh, it, it, this is this is great, great stuff to talk about because even though I've, you know, survived something that should have killed me, I've been very fortunate to be here, it doesn't mean every day is all, you know, sunshine and roses. I mean, I have my challenges too. I'm a, I'm a businessman now, an entrepreneur, so just like many of your listeners, I... I wonder what I could be doing better, how I can grow my business, hire more people and stuff like that. And it's easy to look at what our competition is doing and only see their successes and think, gosh, what's wrong with me, perhaps. And so I I motivate myself if I'm feeling down by quickly reminding myself that I'm, I am where I am because I've had many, many successes along the way. And I get to define what that success is because it's my story. So I can quickly list 10 or 12 things that I've done that I'm proud of or that have helped me get to where I am today. And so, and anyone can do that as well because 
we we're only where we are at this point in life because we've had earlier successes. So we have to. I think it's it's in our psyche to sometimes focus on the negative. It might take a little bit extra effort to focus on the positive, but once we do, those will those those answers will come out of our head pretty quickly, and that can get you to a, a good place, a better place, pretty rapidly. And then I also remind myself of where I'm where I'm trying to go and why. And those are, you know, there are a lot of good feelings associated with that because I'm trying to get to a place that I, where I define success. So that brings a smile on my face. And I remind myself of the other people who have been influential in my life, who have helped me and helped me get to where I am and, and want to continue helping me because I enjoy teamwork. I enjoy the concept of working together. And then finally, I think about, well, Forget about me for a second. What am, what am I doing for other people? Because I enjoy helping others, as probably all your listeners do. And that helps motivate me, too, because I, I think if we remind ourselves of what we're doing for other people, that helps elevate ourselves. Oh, that is great. I'm just <laughs> kind of noting some of the things that you said that are so important. And let's just talk about them. Uh, sure. So, for example, one of the things I noticed is it's it's easy when we get knocked down to to dwell and be overwhelmed yeah. by our adversity. But mm-hmm. notice that Justin said, I shifted my focus. I shifted my focus to what 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 can I do? Where do I want to be? And the other thing that I like that you said that is so significant that helps us be successful is to get others involved in our life, mentors and people we look up to, and don't be afraid to share with them uh, what these goals are that we have, the inspirations, and to get feedback, if nothing else, just to share our goals and see if we can report back. But So what role, how, how are you able to start setting goals? Uh, what, what really kind of inspired that? How did you go about it as you started recovering? So early on, yeah, I mean, I... I, um, I was in here in October of 2006. I was in the hospital for just a couple of months, but then I had about, I don't know, six, no, about eight months or so where I was recovering and going through periodic surgeries until I was healthy enough to go back to work. And then I had just follow on surgery periodically. But, you know, my life was completely different. I, I um, it was difficult for me to talk. I, I, you know, couldn't run anymore because the doctors took bones from my legs to use to reconstruct in my upper and lower jaw. Because when I was shot, the bullet hit me behind my left ear and exploded out of my mm-hmm. mouth, so causing mm-hmm. incredible damage. So um, I had a lot, I can't see out of my left eye, and so I have a lot of limitations that I did not or challenges I did not have before. And so I had to just come to terms with that. And it, it certainly wasn't easy, but. Um, after after a certain point, I said, "Okay, well, I'm different. I'm in a different place now. So, what what can I do? Forget what I can't do, but what can I do? And what do I want to do? And that took some soul searching. And it wasn't a there's no quick silver bullet for that. It takes time. Um, and it means talking about it with other people. In my case, it was with Dahlia, uh, and writing things down so there's a permanent record of it. And I I identified that I wanted to. Um, keep working as a lawyer, which I did. And then later that changed to where I wanted to move into being an inspirational seeker. And and so then I, I shifted my focus. And it's gotten me to the point now where 
I'm in a, I'm on a completely different trajectory than I was before I was injured, but I, I feel like I'm in a much better place. And a lot of that is because I took the time to identify, and I do this periodically, how do I want to spend my time? You know, we only have a limited amount of time here on Earth. How, do I, how am I going to make the biggest impact? I don't want to be a pinball just bouncing around through life. I want to live a well-intentioned life, and that means identifying what, what buckets, you know, what, what are my priorities? What buckets does my time go into? So I have three or four major things now that I, that I focus on. And in the past, it was a lot more than that. And over time, I've narrowed it down. So that helped me in my recovery uh, because it was one step at a time. But now it helps me a lot professionally as well. Oh, I love that. What great advice <laughs> for the, for our listeners today of how do you make that transition and, and – uh, so I noticed one of the things you said is I'm going to focus on what I can do and not on what I can't do. Uh, and the very second that a person starts asking, what can I do, the answers start coming. And the other, the other key thing that Justin shared today was to write it down. Have, uh, what, what we recommend or what I use anyhow, I'm sure everybody uses something a little different, but is a thoughts book. It's a you know, a yeah. simple notebook that you can get at the store. But I start writing down thoughts that I have, and all of a sudden, these thoughts become magical, and they ultimately become a reality many times. You're right. There's something about putting it out there, which at first blush sounds a little odd, but you put things out there, and that doesn't mean you're casting a spell, but you're thinking <laughs> about it, you know? You're, th you're actually thinking about it, not just waving a magic wand, but you're thinking about it and maybe it'll come up in conversation or you're, you'll be more observant if you hear someone else talking about it. So when you put these things out there, they tend to come true or, or resources come to you that you hadn't thought about because of that. Yeah. And, and I heard the other day, Justin, a fun comment as uh, someone was talking about the, their goals. They said, uh, if you want and own a goal, your goal will want and own you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, yeah, it's the concept. yeah, the doors start opening up, and that's right. And it's uh, some magical things start happening. By the way, um, I knew I liked you for a reason, Justin. <laughs> we have one thing in common, anyhow. I've been okay. spared some of the real pain that you've had to go through in the agony. But three years ago, uh, and many of our listeners wouldn't know this, but I lost the sight in my left eye. Oh, wow. How? And, uh, well, uh, I've had uh, glaucoma for 20 years, and I've taken my oh. drops, and, uh, but it left in five days, and it's, you know, it's permanently gone. The optic nerve is just yeah. gone. gone and, and so uh, you're right. That could be awfully oh. disturbing. It's, uh, yeah. uh, and so, but you can't worry about, you can't focus on, well, I've lost the eye. That's what right. You, what you can focus on is I have another eye, I can work hard to preserve it, and now I'm an adapt. Uh, That's right. And even That's though right. you have to live with it every day, and it's a little harder in some areas, <laughs> walking downstairs or pouring yeah, water. Yeah, because or... your gut perception is gone. <laughs> a few challenges. But, okay, yeah. well, uh, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Sure. Um, Justin has written a terrific book, folks. It's called My Battlefield, Your Office. I love this book. Uh, yeah, oh, you know, it's terrific. Uh, in that, you talk about leading from the front. 
And we're going to kind of shift to leadership here uh, okay. somewhat. And, and, of course, this leadership can be applied in our personal life, in our relationships with a spouse or family, even as a grandparent, but as a teacher or coach or team leader or, or the CEO of an organization. So can you share with the our Becoming Your Best listeners, how can you lead from the front? So what does that mean? How can you do it? Sure. And why is it so important? Yeah, well... When I wrote the book, uh, just by way of background, when I wrote the book, it wasn't aimed, uh, it's called My Vow, Filled Your Office, Leadership Lessons from the Front Lines. And so it's based on my Marine Corps. You know, I served in the Marine Corps for 16 years as an officer, retired as lieutenant colonel. And so it's based on my, the leadership lessons from Iraq, but also from basic Marine training. And so the book was aimed at mid-level managers. So not C-level people, because that's not my wheelhouse, but mid-level managers. And there's millions of us who are promoted every who work hard and are promoted every year but never learn how to lead affect lead people effectively along the way so that's who i was trying to most relate to and and you're right one of the main the main themes in there and, and ideas is to lead from the front and of course that is a it's a marine philosophy but other not just the marines so that's where it's most prevalent with me because in the marines and the other services too, I assume. We, uh, we, whether you're an officer or a senior enlisted or whoever you are in your leadership um, capacity, you are told to lead from the front. You wouldn't ask your Marines to do something that you yourself would not be willing to do. It's a basic core leadership tenant uh, because because this is a great way for people to feel connected to you. And if you if you're the type of person who will go home at five o'clock and ask your coworkers to stay till six or seven, that sends a terrible message and people are not inclined to follow you. But if you're gonna be out there in front, um, and in the Marine Corps, of course, that means uh, typically a more dangerous position. If you're willing to lead from there and not from the rear, that says a lot about you, but how much you care about your people. Um, if you're leading from the front, you're saying a loud message that, that their welfare and their safety is important to you. And so that, that's the direct Marine um, angle, but the same, of course, by metaphor. It's true, too, as you said, whether it's in a personal relationship, coaching, or or business. And I, I think these the leadership tenants from the Marine Corps apply directly over. And when you're leading from the front in your personal life, that means you are being proactive about issues you and your family or whoever that person is are facing. You are taking steps to make sure people around you are comfortable, and you're looking for solutions to, to challenges that you may be facing together. Well, that's a great model. It's really a model of being a, ser a, a servant leader, isn't it? That's right. That's exactly right. It's so much more powerful. And, and one of the, uh, the 12 habits that we talk about that, interestingly mm -hmm. enough, uh, creates uh, enormous power and builds the strength of a culture uh, is living the golden rule. Yes. And in many ways, when you lead from the front, you're really living the golden rule. You're going to do something that you wouldn't ask your people to not do, you know? So that's right. Yeah. Much more powerful. I think, I think if um, everyone lived by the golden rule um, as much as they could or, or purposely took steps to do that, man, this would be a different place. It, it, indeed it would. And I noticed in your book, 
Uh, Justin, you also talked about putting your people first. Maybe that's kind of a cousin to this other one. And so what are some ways that you found some of the best practices, best practices of putting people first? And, and what have you seen as the impact on relationships and getting sure, great well, results? Yeah, and you're right. These are directly related. And the message I often um, say to corporations when I talk to them, especially in today's um, business environment where the economy is turning around and it's easier for your high-performing employees to find positions in other companies or where we constant contact and communication means we know what it's like in other offices and where people are no longer solely motivated by money, taking care of your people has to be your number one priority as a leader. It can't be the, um, the bottom line numbers. It's taking care of your people because they truly are your most important resource. I and mean, that, that's, that's very clear in the, in the military, but directly in the business sense as well. And so when it comes, that's where putting your people first comes. And so that's, you, you could see that in action if you're having, a, for instance, if you're in, in a meeting and if you are running that meeting and it's a one-way conversation where you're just telling people stuff and not asking for any sort of input and not getting any buy-in, well, you're not putting your people first. And I'm, I don't want to... I don't feel motivated to work with someone or help someone who doesn't care about what my feelings or my input is, uh, but just wants to be a producer for him or her. I don't, I don't like that scenario. Now, of course, the leader has a final say, but putting your people first means including them in the process and making sure that everyone is part of um, part of the team. So I think that's a, a one very obvious uh, example for you. Okay, yeah, so asking for feedback, including them. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And, and again, um, just making them a priority. Like if, you are in, if you're in charge of people and don't know, you know, basic things about them, their first and last name, of course, but maybe what their marital status is, what their, you know, a few details about their family life or if they have pets or kids or some basic niceties which we used to take for granted and sometimes now we don't we don't seem to spend much time on those but if you're not connecting with your people on a personal level then you're not putting them first and and i think that's an important lesson too that you can't lead by email you can't lead from inside your office you have to be out there connecting with your people and, and being a leader for them wow that is just tremendous advice <laughs> I mean, we've talked about some really important things, and yeah. this is this has been a really an extraordinary, very helpful interview for me. So, so I appreciate the things you're talking about. And um, I was just thinking the other day, I was talking with a CEO not long ago, and he was describing how he has worked with some. Uh, he's observed that among his executive team, that some of them don't even know their spouse's name or about their background. Yeah. And they've yeah, worked together definitely. for years. So are you saying, Justin, that if a, if a leader knows more about the people that work together with him, he's a better leader? I'm saying that because if you peel back the onion just a tiny bit, how does he know that information? He didn't look it up on Wikipedia. He knows it because he had a conversation or many conversations about the significant people in his colleagues or coworkers' lives. Maybe that means they had dinner together. 
Maybe they went to some functions together. Maybe they just talked on Monday morning about what their weekends entail. But at the bottom of it, they had some connection. They have personal interactions that were unrelated to work. And those are the types of things you're typically going to remember because there's an emotion there. And that means there's an attachment there. And so um, I'm not saying a leader has to spend all his time talking about personal stuff, but getting to know the bare minimum, like in the, in the, uh, in the example you just shared with us, I mean, that, that's pretty bad if these folks are colleagues for years and don't even know anything about their personal life. Of course, I'm not saying pry and ask you a bunch of no, questions right. no yeah. one wants to answer, but, you know, get to know each other. And I'm, I'm, I know Justin agrees with this, that when people feel like you've got their back, yeah. Like you care, not just about them as a number showing up, an economic entity, but as somebody that can really make a contribution that has a life, they will break their back. They will go the extra, extra mile to do everything they can to help you. That's exactly right. And that's, that's true here. I saw it in Iraq with our battalion commander who the Marines would follow him to the end of the earth because he was out there leading them every day. He um, put his life on the line for them. He knew them. He, he, you know, typically in the Marine Corps, we call each other by the rank and by the last name. He knew their first names. He knew where they came from. And that resonated with them. And so I saw that very clearly. And it's true just in life in general. All right. Well, great description. And and by the way, uh, just the opposite is true. If you really don't take care of people, if you're not sensitive, yeah. if you don't put them first, uh, people have a way of getting back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> and it can be costly. We, yes. I had a neighbor that was at the airport and she was at the uh, sky cap there and and yeah. getting ready to check bags, she's standing behind a customer who is absolutely chewing this guy cap up, up and down. I mean, yeah. just ripping them apart. And and uh, she was so embarrassed. And the uh, customer left, and the sky cap turned around with a smile and said, "Now, ma'am, how may I help you?" And she said. How in the world can you do that? After just taking <laughs> right. that abuse, how can you turn around and smile and, and be so pleasant? And he said, well, that's pretty easy, ma'am. He said, that man is going to New York City, and his bags are going to Israel. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, people are going to get back. <laughs> well, I can't believe how fast time goes, Justin, and... Yeah. Uh, before we're before we wrap this up, you've just got so much great experience, so many wonderful insights. Uh, if I had a team, uh, if I was uh, uh, had to do something, I'd want to be doing it with you. I can just tell that. What an awesome guy! Thanks, Steve. You bet. So before we wrap it up, can you just give a few uh, maybe final tips to our listeners of anything that you think would be helpful? Yeah, absolutely. When it, when it comes to being your best, I have a few tips I'd like to recommend them uh, in no particular order. The first is uh, ask for help. And it may make you a little bit vulnerable, but I, I feel more and more today, if people ask for help and lean on others for support, they're going to get exactly what they ask for. And I struggled with this when I was first injured. I didn't want help from anyone. And I wish I could read you that part of my life because uh, there's no reason for any of us to go around dealing with 
tough issues all on our own. So I would say ask for help. And a corollary for that is keep an eye out for how you can help other people. And those opportunities are everywhere. Zig Ziglar said, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help other people get what they want. And I really believe in that mentality because I believe kind of like with the, the guy going to New York, what comes around goes around. So look for opportunities to help. And then finally, be reliable. Uh, I think one of the most, the best things you can be is someone who's known as doing what they, coming through on their promises and doing what they said they would do. Be reliable. A lot of folks aren't. And if you want to be your best, you have to be able to do what you promise other people. Outstanding. Uh, That's great advice. Well, now, Justin, how can our listeners find out more about what you're doing? Well, thanks. Uh, certainly, I love connecting on social media, uh, particularly through LinkedIn, but also on Facebook. And, and my website is justinconstantine.com. And uh, my book is mybattlefieldyouroffice.com. And so any of those ways uh, is, is great. Oh, well, that's terrific. Well, thank you, Justin Constantine, for being part of this show today. The ideas that you have shared, these thoughts can just be really be invaluable for anyone on how to help us be a better person and a better leader. So, um, hey, we're sure, certainly wishing you um, all the best as you're making a difference in the world. And I just personally want to thank you on behalf of our listeners. Thank you for your extraordinary service that you've given to so many. Absolutely, Steve. Again, it's an honor to be here, so thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too can make a difference every single day of your life. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best, wishing you a great day. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.